uh, we're in right in the middle of a discussion about the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda regarding how many stands they are. Uh, so uh, we saw in the Mishnah, according to Rabbanan, there are two stands because you have the blood of the pad and the blood of the uh, sa'ir. And the Kohen Gadol has to sprinkle from both of these bowls in the Kodesh Kodeshim, and then he goes out and does it in the Kodesh towards the parochet. Now he has to do the pad first and the sa'ir second. So he has to be holding it in one hand and he needs his finger for the other hand. So he has to put the other one down in the, in the meantime. So when he's switching from the pod to the Sayyid and back, what does he do? According uh, to the Banan, there's two stands, one for the pod and one for the blood of the Sayyid. According to the Biuda, however, he says, no, only one stand. That's what he says in the Mishnah. It doesn't explain why. So we're trying to figure out why. Isn't it more convenient to have two stands? They could put it down. If he needs to do something, he can. And then he could pick up the other one. According to the Biuda, he has to pick one up first, be holding them both and then put one down and then transfer, uh, transfer his hands. So, um, uh, so why does the Buddha say that? Okay, we offered a possi one possibility. The one possibility was that the Buddha does not believe in labels. If you put a sign, you could put a 10 signs up, people don't read signs, people don't read labels, and it's gonna make a mistake. And so even if you write on the, on the bowl or on the stand, this is Sayyid, this is Pad, See, he's not going to look at the label and he's going to get mixed up. Once he puts them down, he's not going to remember which one was which and he might make a mistake and pick up the other one. Whereas if you have only one stand, then he's right there. He has to switch. So he's doing, the, doing it on the fly. And so he's not going to, there's no way to forget. You just, you just pick that one up. So automatically you put the other one down. That was our proposal that he doesn't believe in labels. And we tried to bring an offer of proof that he doesn't bring, believe in labels from... Uh, a different case in Shekalim, where it says there were 13 collection boxes and they had labels on them. And two of them were for birds, pairs of birds. Uh, according to Chachamim, one of them was for uh, Chovah, someone that needs to bring birds because like uh, they're a Zav or Yoledet. And the other one for Nedava, someone who just says, I want to give a free will offering and give the best Chachamim. Say this one for this and one for that. The Buddha says, no, right? They're both for Nedava. We cannot have uh, different uh, collection boxes for Chova. And so we offered the suggestion that, see, here's another proof that he doesn't believe in labels. Even though all these uh, collection boxes are labeled, the coin is emptying them out. He might just mistake one and the other, or oh, which one did I get this from? And then you're going to mix up a Chova and a Dava, and that's not a good thing to do. So that so far, as we have a proof, yes, he doesn't believe in labels. The problem with this is that it doesn't actually work for the collection boxes because you still have two, and one of them is going to be for uh, pigeons and one for doves. So still, you might get mixed up between those two. So you see that it's not, the problem is not with the, with the labeling. The problem with the Choban Nedava is a different one. The halacha is that if someone uh, offer, uh, chooses an animal or gives money for a hatat and dies, that person dies, you can no longer give it as a sacrifice. If it's an animal, you got to let it die and burn it outside. If it's money, you got to destroy the money, throw it into the, into the Dead Sea. And so here we have a collection box. We know some guy put it in the box and died. And now we don't know which one's, what, what's, what's, uh, which is his, uh, which is his. So according to Chachamim, they have no problem. They say, easy solution. We'll take any four coins at random and we'll say, these we designate as the ones that he gave. We don't really know that these are the ones he gave, but retroactively, we will assume, we will designate these as such. And you take those and you destroy them, and the rest of it you can offer no problem. But a Biuda, 
Maybe he says no because let That would be a better explanation. If it's because of labels, then it wouldn't make sense why you could have one for doves and one for um, <clears throat> one for uh, pigeons. But this, uh, but according to this opinion, right, this would explain why he would be okay with that. Maybe he's fine with labels. Yeah, labels are a good way of distinguishing. Right? And here, the problem here is that even if I can distinguish, I know what this in this box. I know that four of them are no good. And I, he does not allow retroactive, retroactive designation. If you didn't write your name on it, we don't know whose it is. And so he has no bereda. And so therefore we're left without a solution because according to this, the Buddha likes labels, labels are fine. So label the two uh, stands and put one for pod and one for Sa'id and you'd be totally fine. So we have to answer that question. Before we answer that question, we're just going on a tangent of the Buddha and Bereda. Is this true that a Buddha does not ha, um, does not follow the principle of retroactive designation or clarification? Minelan, how do we know that? So we're going to look at a couple of other cases. These are always interesting cases of this retroactive uh, um, uh, mechanism. So here's the case. Let's say someone buys wine from a Kuti, a Kuti, a Samaritan. See, if you buy wine from a non-Jew, that's a problem because then it's not kosher. Uh, if you buy it from a Jew, then you get to other laws of maybe he already took Teruma, Maaset, his Amaretz, whatever it's. But we're talking about a Kuti. Kuti, uh, you're allowed to buy their wine, but we assume that they did not take Teruma or Maaset. Now you bought it on Erev Shabbat after it got dark. You're not allowed to take to the Ma'amaser, Sarten, Adapten. We say it in, right, every week in when right? Once before it gets dark, you say, Sarten, make sure to take Ma'amaser before Shabbat starts. Because once Shabbat starts, you can't mitaken. You're taking something that was unedible and now making it edible. You can't do that. Um, however, this guy's in a bind, so we have a loophole for him uh, because he wants to be able to drink this wine on Shabbat. So here's what he does he says, the two lugim, he has, let's say, he has 100 lug, right? Um, and so two lugim that I will tomorrow separate, right? I'm going to do this after Shabbat. Um, they will be teruma. So he's not doing it on Shabbat. He's saying tomorrow, whatever I decide to do, they will be separated from now. Asada ma'aser ishon. And then, right, two, the teruma, you can do actually any amount, but typically you do one out of 50. So that's the two. And then he has to take ma'aser ishon, uh, which goes to the Levi. So we have a picture here. Uh, so it will really be two. He only has a little bit for the Turumah Gedola. But you have a whole row here. That would be for Maaser Ishan. And then Tisha Maaser Shani. Only nine for Maaser Shani because it's a tenth of whatever's left. Since he already gave 10, so there's 90 left. So Maaser Shani would be on the first and second and fourth and fifth years would be Maaser Shani that he was supposed, he's supposed to take to Yerushalayim and uh, eat it there. And uh, then, so he does, he does that. He doesn't actually move anything or separate because he's not allowed to do it on Shabbat. He just says, tomorrow when I separate, whatever I separate will be terumah. So then he can go ahead and drink. The word mechel has two possible interpretations. Mechel could, be, could mean to make chol. The, the ma'aseh sheni, he can redeem it with money, um, right? Because it's yulafar, it's inconvenient. So you take a coin and you say, right, the value of this ma'aseh transfers to the money. I'll carry that, which is interesting. According to this, which is Rashi's interpretation, you can do that on, on Shabbat, even though you're saying, well, it'll, it'll happen tomorrow, but you're saying it now. Uh, Rambam says mechel means to begin. 
then you can go ahead, right? Or, and shoteh you can go ahead and, and drink from now. So in other words, you didn't take maturumah maser. Right now, this turumah all mixed up somewhere in there, but it's okay. Now, if after Shabbat, like, you know, you have a problem and, you, you know, uh, uh, something happens to this and it goes down the drain, you're going to have a problem. But assuming that everything goes well and after Shabbat, you didn't drink the whole thing and there's still, a little, there's still, uh, there's still this amount left, so that will be designated whatever is on the bottom of the cup. And that, so you see, according to the Bimeir, you can do a retroactive designation. So he holds that Berera is possible. However, here's the point to be David, to be Yosef, to be Shimon, Osirin, Alma, and Berera. These other three rabbis say you cannot do this. Right, you can't go and say, I'm going to give it from now. I'm going to, whatever I t- designate tomorrow will be retroactively. So they say it's not good. Perhaps the reason is because they do not have the principle of Berida. Joel? Yeah, so, but at the end of the day, you took something that you're not allowed to eat and you fixed it. Yeah. Isn't that the problem? Yeah, but you didn't do it. You, you didn't do it. And it's like on a timer. You know, you didn't, you didn't do it today. Uh, right now, you're eating tebel. All right, so actually you, you are potentially in a, in a pickle. Someone comes and drinks the rest of it, right? Then you, are, you have sinned, you ate tebel, it's now good. But hopefully you'll keep, the, keep it on the side and not drink it. And then tomorrow uh, that will be de- designated retroactively. And so therefore that eating of tebel will be undone. Oh, turns out, you know what? You were okay, it was fine. Right, so the takana happens really when it actually got separated. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, you park at a meter and you get a ticket and then you go back in a time machine and pay the ticket and pay, pay, pay the meter beforehand. I got it. I got and then it. you come back, right? It's your, this is a time machine uh, issue. Um, okay, so therefore we see the view that does not have bidera. Good. So this follows, this fits with what we said before uh, with uh, Shekalim. Hold on, we say, me my. Is that's not the only explanation you could have. You could have another one. No, over there, read the continuation of the Baraita. You'll see that they tell they say they tell the Bimeir why they disagree. They say uh, to the Bimeir, right? That over there, there's a different reason. Uh, uh, the reason is given. They say to Bimeir, don't you agree that you should worry? Maybe the nod, the um, the, uh, uh, um, the the skin, the, the the water skin that they would hold them the wine in the wine skin. Maybe it'll get a leak, and then all the wine will come out, and you'll end up you'll end up eating drinking tebel retroactively, right? In other words, might something might go wrong. This is a very dangerous idea you have to be made. Yeah, if it goes right, fine, but you know this is this is a problem. Uh, you know, there's lots of laws actually. You know, cooking or heating things up on Shabbat. Is similar to this, you know. Let's say, let's say, take water and put it, uh, you know, next to the fire. So right when I put it, it doesn't get hot. It takes it takes a long time. So I didn't violate anything right then. Only violates once I leave it there. So if I put it there, but take it away before, right, could save yourself from uh, from from a prohibition. But you don't put yourself in that in a dangerous situation like that. That's why they're against it. And the Bimeir says, okay, when it breaks, t- let me know. Cross that bridge when it gets there, right? How often does it? It doesn't break. I'm not worried about that. Put it in a safe place. Put a bowl around it. Right. Make sure no one uh, touches it. It's not good. It's going to break. So it's just a matter of how much risk they're they're willing to take. But fundamentally, it sounds like it'd be me. It would be okay with it. So you know what? There's actually no problem. There's no proof from here 
that Rabbi Yehuda does not follow Berera. We don't. We have another reason why he disagrees. So instead, let's look at one more case. Ayo. Ayo is the name of a sage. We saw this source already back in Masechet Eruvim. Okay, so the law of Eruv is that if you're in a city, you can go out uh, 2,000 amot all around from the edge of the city. What if I want to go further? For example, what's, what if I know there's going to be a famous speaker is going to come to town, the next town over, but the next town over is 4,000 amot away. So I can't walk there. Here's what I do. I take a meal, which is a symbolically my place. Before Shabbat, I put it 2,000 amot on the east of the city. And that way, on Shabbat, I can walk to my, that's my middle, and I can walk another 2,000 amot. Okay, that's all. Everybody agrees that that's allowed. Now, what if... I'm not sure if the speaker is going to come to the town on the east or the town on the west, right? Well, what can I make? Can I say, listen, I don't know what's going to happen, but tomorrow when I find out, then I'll make two eruvs, one here and one there. And tomorrow, then I'll decide which one is going to be. So, Rebiuda uh, says, you can't make two eruvim at the same time. Rather, if it came to the right, you can make it to the right. If it goes to the to west, you can make it west. But here and there, no, you can't do that. Uh, so you can make an eduv, but you can't make a retroactive eduv, right? You can't make uh, a thing that says, I'll decide tomorrow which one I want. An eduv, one of the laws of eduv has to be made during sunset. Wherever that is during sunset, that's where your place is. So you can't be in two places at one time. This is like a quantum physics problem, right? You could be in two states, the superposition of two states until you open the box and you see that the cat is dead, right? And then retroactively, it turns out that that must have been the, been the case. So he doesn't like all this. So now when regarding this case, we analyzed it before and we said, how come he can't do this way and that way? Because he doesn't believe in retroactive designation. So then the first case also, you should say it's no good. Because if he says, if the rabbi comes to the, to the east, I'll, I'll make the one east. If he comes to the west, I'll make the one in the west. But that's also deciding after the fact, right? Um, whereas the second case we're assuming now is that the rabbi, maybe, maybe the rabbis will come to both places to speak. And then I'll decide tomorrow which one I'm in the mood for, right? Now, either way, you're making, you're doing, you're retroactively designating. So uh, either way, it's Borel. So what's the difference between the first case and the second case? The first case is where that the sage already came to that city. I just didn't find out which one it is. Before Shabbat, he was in that town. I don't know which one, but I make a condition. So that's fine. It's not retroactive. I happen to be that I have lack of knowledge, but it's not, it's not, and, and someone knows it, right? There is a reality on the ground. So I say when before Shabbat starts, if that sage right now is in the east, then I want that one to be. If he's in the West, I want the left one to be. On Shabbat, someone will come and let me know. Oh, listen, the, 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 the lecturer, he came to the city on the East. That's fine. It's not retroactive. That means that that's the condition that I set from the begin, from, to begin with. That's the one that automatically set in because the condition knows, right? Even if I don't know. Um, what you can do is, um, is say, oh, if, um, both speakers are going to come. I'll decide tomorrow which one I want now. That's no good. Okay, so we that's the conclusion, and we see from that that the Biuda does not have Berira. Since he does not have the principle of Berira, that's why he does not think that you can take have a, a collection box 
for chatat offerings that are that are chova, because then if the person dies, we're not going to be able to get money and throw it out because it's all mixed up and we can't retroactively designate it. Okay, so now we have a good explanation for the collection boxes. What we're left with is no explanation for why the Buddha thinks you need two different stands. Why can't you just put a label? We just said labels are fine. So what's the problem? So that means that there's no problem of writing. Writing is fine. And we see the collection boxes, they write on it. One for pigeons, one for doves, and he's fine with that. So he holds that labels are reliable. So he can do the same thing with the stands. So write it down on the bowls, on the stands, which one is which. Here's the answer. Because of his weakness, it's Yom Kippur, he's fasting, he has to do all the Avodah the whole day, a lot of stress, pressure, it's only the whole nation relying on you for the whole, the whole year. He's preoccupied, and therefore, he might, in fact, make a mistake even with labels. So in general, labels are fine, but not with someone who's so busy that, uh, that, uh, uh, and so weak. So for him, we need something extra. He really got, might, might get mixed up. Put one uh, stand, and then that way he'll switch it, and he won't make a mistake. Maybe. But, but does that mean, but so all the more he'll make a mistake now. If, this, if it's not written, it's, it's empty. So it's much easier to make a mistake now. No, the way, it, it, it's, it's part of the process. You know, when, it, when you switch something, right, I'm holding one thing, so I take the other one, put it down. It's, it's one second. There's no pause in between, right? Whereas if two stands, I put it down, and then I walk around, whatever, I can, you know, have my hands free. Then I come back. Wait, which one's which? Which one is which? Even if it's, so that's why even I say it's labeled, I'll say, oh, I think it was that one. <laughs> There's no, no possibility of mistake if you have only one. Or maybe okay. a small, a smaller possibility of mistake. Uh, because after all, even without writing something, you can know which one's which because one has more, one has less. A bull is a lot bigger. There's a lot more blood of a, of a bull than the city. Just look inside. Oh, this one's more full, right? And so if you're going to pay it, if you assume that he's paying attention and he can pay attention to labels, even not labels, you pay attention to how much is, how much is in there. The point is that since he's weak, he might feel a little faint. He's not paying attention. So do it in a way that it's automatic, uh, mechanical memory. Uh, so he won't make a mistake. Now regarding this last point, which is, which is a side point, that um, one, is more, one is more blood, one is less. Maybe you'll say the, the bull, when you do shechita, you don't have to collect all the blood. Maybe you only collect some of it. And maybe, in fact, it would be an equal amount. And so that wouldn't be a good way to tell. The Pasuk says you have to collect all of the blood, you have to pour all of the blood on the Mizbech. If you have to pour all of it, then obviously you have to collect all of it. So that's the halacha we saw before. Yes, the Chatechila, you're supposed to collect all of it. I mean, if a little spills, but the Avad is okay. So yes, it's going to, presumably, he will have more. And even if you say, well, maybe some of it will spill and it'll be equal amount, nevertheless, just by looking at it, you could tell because the blood of, a, of the goat is a pale, more pale color and the one of the bull is a deeper red. Uh, we saw that, remember, the, the, the red of the bull is like the, the gold, the gold is colored red. He uses special uh, reddish gold on Yom Kippur, like the, like the bull. So you see here that truth is he can tell 
from, if not from the level of how much blood, the color of the blood will tell him, and you can add labels also, but nevertheless, all those he might miss because he's feeling faint. And so that's why we, uh, we worry about his uh, not paying attention. So it's better to have one stand and then they'll switch him around. Okay, excellent. Now, uh, next story. So one time there was a chazan. Nachet kameh means to go down. In those days, the chazan was not on a higher platform, but like mima'amakim, he would go down. And there is an expression that means he was the chazan in front of Rabbah on Yom Kippur for Musaf. And he's saying the avodah. He didn't read the Atakonanta because it wasn't written yet. Uh, so he say he's he's reciting the Avodah and he says Yasa the coin goes out in al Kansheni. He puts it down on the second stand. That means two stands. He's following he's following Chachamim. And then it says Natal Dam Hapar Damasair. He took the Damapar and then he put down Damasair. Wait, the second phrase is following the Biuda. If you have to take the Dampar first and then put the other one down, that's following the Bimeir. So he has a contradiction. Half of his tefillah is saying like Rabbanan, half of it is like the Biuda. So you got to pick, pick a lane. So that's what Rabbah tells him. Rather, you should say, um, he put down the Sayir, that means there's two, and then he takes the one of the Par. Right, in other words, switch, switch the order around of this last phrase. So follow the banan, and uh, so you have two, um, two stands. Uh, we're gonna follow, yeah, we're gonna follow the majority. That makes sense. Okay, anyway, very interesting that they have a nice real story of an actual chazan, uh, you know, reciting it. Maybe, um, you know, then all have sidurim. He might be saying it by heart. Um, uh, truth is, our, even our Mishnah transitions from chachamim to the biuda and then goes on. So you might be quoting the Mishnah because uh, the Mishnah itself has, has both voices in it. All right, and now we get to the next part of the Mishnah. After he does the sprinkles in the Kodesh Kodashim, he's going to go to the Kodesh and sprinkle the blood on the par- towards the Parochet from outside. So let's learn a, uh, this is from the Sifra about this. Tenora Banan. How do you know that you're supposed to sprinkle uh, the blood also in the Kodesh towards the Parochet? Well, we learn it from here. Pasukim 14 and 15 are all talking about in the Kodesh Kodeshim, right? And Elmi Bet La Parochet. This is inside Kodesh Kodeshim. And the Fnei Kapod is fine. But then you have a, it looks like a conclusion. But then it adds one more thing. Do this also for Hal Moed. What do you mean also for Hal Moed? It means the Kodesh, right? The whole, one was for the Kodesh Kodashim. This is for the whole Hal Moed. Do the same thing. What's Vechen? Do what? The same thing. What you did before in Pesukim 14 and 15, 15, do it also in the the Kodesh. That's how we learn this whole halacha. Good. So now it just explicates. Just like um, in the Kodesh Kodashim, uh, you do one up and seven down uh, of the pod. So two in the Echal, one up and seven down of the blood of the pod. 
רוכשים של אופניי בפנים, אחת אמרת ושבע אמרת מידה מסעיר, כך מזה בהיכל, just like you did one up and seven down of the סעיר, so two in the היכל, and you do it in that order, first part, then סעיר, so you go outside, do first part, and then סעיר. Okay, the סיפרה continues and explains, השוכן איתם ותוך טומאותם, right, the continuation of that פסוק, to, um, to uh, uh, atone for all moed that is, abides within them in the midst of their uncleanliness. There's an interesting phrase, right? The people are unclean. It's not necessarily talking about ritual impurity. It's more like, you know, it could be. It could be uh, ritual impurity that they had all year round and maybe they came into the Kodesh and they weren't allowed to, or maybe it comes spiritual impurity that it's uh, atoning for all their sins. So, uh, the Tzad Moed resides with them even though they are Tameh. So this is an interesting phrase and the subject of a dialogue between two people. So let's see this interesting dialogue. So the first thing says, Even when the Jewish people are impure, the Divine Presence is, is within them. Again, this can mean either technically Tameh, because you know, we saw if everybody's Tameh, they're allowed to do the Avodah, or that even uh, more figuratively, that even though B'nai Israel are sinning, Hashem never, never leaves us and is still, still, still with us. Okay, now here's the story. Uh, yeah, so here we have the word Sadoki. Um, in, uh, in the Vilna, Vilna Shas, it says, uh, says Sadoki, but um, in the manuscripts, which I didn't give you because they're all the same. Um, I just want to double check. Oh, Sadoki. Yeah, in the, in the Vilna Shah says Sadoki. In every single manuscript, it has Mina, Min, has the word Min, not Sadducee. Uh, so why is there a difference? And I'm surprised that they didn't change it here because in the Hebrew Steinjels, they did change it. Um, okay, so here's what happened. The word is actually Min because of Christian censors. Christians thought that whenever it says the word mean, it's referring to Christians. And when Jews living under Christian lands uh, had to, were subject, and the Christians didn't like that Jews are telling bad stories about them. So every time it says the word mean, the Jewish printers would take out the word mean and put something else instead, like Sadducee. Oh, we're talking about Sadducees, right? Other, other Jews, we're not talking about you. Um, so that the Christian censors, I guess we're learned enough to say, okay, fine, then it's okay. Um, now the word mean can actually mean a lot, mean a lot of things. It can mean any, any, it means species, a type, an outsider, a heretic. So often it does mean Christians. And actually I think in this case, it does, it is in fact referring to Christians. Okay. The story doesn't really make any sense if it's talking about Sadducees. Uh, so let's read the, let's read the, the, the challenge. So this heretic challenger says, look, you guys are all definitely impure. How do I know? It says, tumata bishuleha. And Echa is talking about the sins of the nation that are, uh, that are around her, like, uh, like in Ida. And therefore, you are rejected. Hashem rejected you, right? Your tamiz. Hashem's not going to be with you. This makes sense if a Christian said it, because Christians believe in supersessionism. That's the belief that uh, Hashem rejected the Jewish people uh, because of their sin and now replaced them with, uh, with Christians. Uh, so that's the challenge. 
Um, it wouldn't it really wouldn't make sense for a Sadducee. Amalei, so he says back, no, come look at the pasuk, the one in, that we just read in Acharemot. Even when we are Tameh, Hashem is still with us. So he's not saying, yes, we're all righteous, we're 100% good, but it doesn't matter. God will never reject us. He is with us in good or in bad. So it's a very good, uh, uh, um, uh, a very good um, uh, rebuttal to that, uh, to that challenge. Okay, very interesting conversation. And I just want to do one more line because it's uh, just to finish off the topic. Um, so what we saw is that in these Pesukim, remember in 14 and 15, we saw one up and seven down. It says the seven down regarding the par, and it says the one up regarding the sa'id. And we made a hekesh. Oh, it says, look, here this says it next to it. So we learned that this is seven, also seven down, and this is also one up. So that's all made learned from hekesh. And now what we're doing is we're taking Pasuk 16 and says, this is equal to that. So now you have a double equals, right? A equals B, and now B equals C. Um, so this is a problem. Can you do this? Can you do a two-step derivation? Not everybody thinks you can. So, you learn, let's say, seven down from the par to Sa'ir. And then from Sa'ir, now you're going to learn that to outside? You can't, outside, which is also par and Sa'ir, you can't do a double step. Um, no, no, don't call this a hekesh. This actually we're learning it from itself and another thing. In other words, is like this. We're learning the seven down about pot itself. So transfer that, that itself, that's explicit. So transfer that, it's only one step to learn that for the pod on the outside. And let's say it's only one step. Since we're learning it about itself, it's not like this whole thing is a hekesh from a whole totally different uh, korban. They were learning it from itself. We're just comparing these two internally. And then, so... It's from itself and also a hekesh. Since it's also it's also about itself, so it's okay. All right, fine. That's according to one opinion. Uh, that's according to someone says we don't call that a hekesh. That's like direct. But the one who says no, even though it's said regarding here and um, in the same context, you're learning from here and and the one next to it, and that is called a hekesh. So then it's still no good because. I know you're learning half of it from its own context, but half of it from a different context, and then you're transferring all that to the next, to the outside. So it's still called a hekesh of a hekesh. So we have two answers that are similar. No, what we're learning is the place. Whatever you did in Kodesh Kodeshim, do in the Kodesh. The whole, just transfer the whole thing, right? We're not transferring this particular, this thing is the Sa'id from outside is like the Sa'id from inside, which is like the pod from inside. No, just say the whole place goes from one to the other. So it's okay. Or we're learning it all in one step. You told me about the pod that's inside is seven. In one step, I'm going to learn both that the Sa'id inside and the Sa'id outside is also going to be seven down. So just uh, we assume that it's all one step, and that way we, uh, we resolve the problem of, uh, of deriving something from another derivation.